0: Hello, this is Jeff Treisman. This is Matt Schmidt. And you're listening to Impolitik.
1: I'm so embarrassed to be a part of this group right now. Get us off national television. What are we doing? Is that the Capitol? Is that, is that, is that a shaman? I don't want to believe in some of these nefarious, terrible things. The information that I've researched has led me there. So when the information that I've researched has not led me to there and uh, President Trump is not the president and Joe Biden's our president, then yeah, like, I'm gonna be a realist and say that this isn't what I thought was gonna happen.
0: You know, Uh, a lot of people were supposed to get arrested. That didn't happen. Our guest today is Diane Benscoder, the founder of Antidote, a nonprofit organization devoted to deprogramming individuals who have been harmed by the effects of psychological manipulation. Antidote also provides resources to help individuals leave hate groups, terrorist organizations, religious cults, and even groups that believe in conspiracy theories such as QAnon. Diane is also the author of shoes of a servant my unconditional devotion to a lie a memoir of her own experience as a member of a religious cult and has even delivered a ted talk on her life story diane welcome to impolitik
2: thank you very much thanks for doing this important work
0: let's start with your background and your own personal experience because obviously i i think and, and if you don't mind sharing but i think it's a very Telling and powerful story that you have. Um, and you've talked about it publicly, you've written about it. Would you mind just sh- perhaps sharing for our listeners kind of a brief overview uh, of your own personal experience?
2: Sure. Uh, well, when I was 17 years old, I joined a religious cult uh, that is commonly known as the Moonies, it's the Unification Church. And I was a devoted member for five years. I completely believed that i was a disciple of the second coming of christ i i believed that we would change the world because christ was on earth and he was here to create a new world order of sorts and so after being really dedicated for five years i finally agreed to have a conversation with someone that my mother asked me to talk to she was a former member of the church and i thought maybe i could bring her back into the fold and come back a hero and but she started making sense and she started to point out what what happens to someone that is a member of a controlling group and how that works She used Robert Lifton's work, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism, Chapter 22, which has become kind of the deprogrammer's Bible, and which defines what is brainwashing? Isn't this just like brainwashing? And as she went through that, it was impossible for me to deny that that was what was going on with me. So I began working in the anti-cult field. I worked at a rehab house for people leaving a variety of different cults, a place where they could come and kind of... their life back together sort of like a rehab house and then I started going out on these cases Uh, during that era people were doing more of an intervention style of deprogramming where the family would basically stand in front of the doors and windows and not let their loved one leave until they talked to these team of of deprogrammers and that is no longer done for two reasons ethical and legal. And part of the reason it is clearly illegal is because some things went wrong. In my particular case, a woman we were trying to help went out the bathroom window when we were sleeping, went to the police and we were arrested for kidnapping. And so I made a plea bargain and pled guilty to kidnapping, which set a precedent. And uh, there were really nobody does it that way anymore because of that. And so after that, I started helping people individually. Families would find me, and I would work with that family to help them leave. And eventually I started to see that there's a parallel between religious cults and so many other types of controlling environments. And so eventually, after writing my book, which was a deep dive into how this works because you have to really think hard about what happened to you, and then I gave the TED talk, as you mentioned, and which brought more people to me. And I started thinking more about this process. So I did this project where I interviewed people from ter- former members of terrorist groups, former members of gangs, people that had been in domestic violence situations, a whole variety of different types of people to dr- and ask them all the same questions. How, what were you like before you got in? What, what was so compelling? What was it like in? Why did you leave? What was it like putting your life back together? And I, it validated what I believed is that the process from a psychological perspective was the same for everyone. And so I was encouraged to start a nonprofit, which I did. And this nonprofit takes a public health approach to psychological manipulation, meaning we think it should be looked at in the same way you look at tobacco or tuberculosis or any other public health approach and have multiple prongs of work, including helping people directly, but also doing white paper policy kind of stuff and also doing education.
0: Let's actually talk about that then. Uh, What is antidote? And then related to that, why do you believe it's so important, uh, in particular perhaps today?
2: It's interesting how this last few years have brought so many people to our nonprofit. At first it was, you know, our our original plan for helping people was to do continuing education for mental health practitioners and to have a really robust referral service and support groups and such for people that were directly affected like family members having someone in a cult or something. And, but then we, because this concept of, of conspiracy theories and so many people were changing, Every it's hard to find someone that doesn't know someone that seems irrational and seems to be like in a cult by conspiracy theories these days. And so media, there was a lot of media attention that started happening with Antidote and then hundreds of people started pouring in. Sometimes in one day, a hundred people after like an NPR interview or something would, would come asking for help saying, I don't know what to do. My, all my father does a lot of times it's elderly people that are sitting in front of the computer, falling down these rabbit holes. And that's all they talk about now. That's it's like, it's changed their identity and it's very scary for their loved ones. So we, we, had to think about how can we scale this? We, this mole whacking won't work here. And we always knew that it, this deserved a public health approach, but now our direct services aspect really needed to scale. So what we're doing now is workshop series for loved ones. We just started a, a new series yesterday and we're training family members basically to have these difficult conversations, you can call it a programming, But really, it boils down to helping them understand that they've been conned, that they've been taken advantage of. And so first, they need to understand what is psychological manipulation? How does that have such a huge effect on someone? So we give them that information and help them create a plan that would be effective for them in their particular situation. But so that's the direct services aspect. But if this, because we think that it's part of the human condition to be vulnerable to being taken advantage of in this way people need to be to understand they need to be resilient to this so that they can protect themselves against these kind of con artists manipulative tactics that are being put out is to weaponize people or to get their money they they people who use these tactics want one of three things power money or influence and so if that's what people want they want to have control over the decision making processes of people so that they can weaponize them or get them to behave in a certain way, or to get them to even free labor as in cults, like what I did. I spent five years fundraising and sending all that money off to headquarters. I was essentially a slave and but not by chains, but in my mind, I was a slave. And so. There's that, and then there's the public policy white paper type of work that needs to be done to put guardrails around social media, for instance, and to create policy that's important, looking through that lens of psychological manipulation. How can people, how can society be protected against being taken advantage of in this way?
0: For me, a struggle in my work is conspiracy theories um, and QAnon, and for some reason, that really... Hits at my core because it, it I find it so disturbing um, to kind of try to put myself in the mindset of these individuals, and I wonder and you probably tell me better. I wonder for me personally if it's because I'm an academic, I'm a scholar. I can you know update my hypotheses. I can you know update my worldview with you know contradictory facts and say, okay, this is actually you know what is the uh, right or wrong or truth and evidence. And it's knowing that people who are, have gone down these conspiracy rabbit holes are unable to do that in many respects. So it's kind of been a, a struggle for me uh, in my professional work.
2: Yeah, I understand. It's, um, think of it this way. There's a continuum of how effective the tactics are, how much of the, the controlling elements are in an environment. And when you think of environment, it's not just a physical environment, but it's a milieu. It's the way you perceive the world. It's, it's how, who your community is. It's how you, who your social community is, that milieu. It's, so how much that environment, that milieu is using, has, contains these tactics of psychological manipulation or thought reform tactics like Lifton talked about is present. And then there's how vulnerable was a person and that's where it meets as far as how deeply committed a person becomes to this. And so in a time when the world is scary, so think about psychology as our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, and where our our fears, our primal instincts reside. And so in a time when life is confusing, the world is confusing, the internet has made it so hard to understand who to trust. Because there used to just be three TV stations and they all kind of got their same news from the AP and everybody kind of had the same news. But now it's so varied and it's it's the wild, wild west as far as who to trust information-wise. So that causes psychological pain. People don't feel safe in their world they don't know who to trust and then add a pandemic on there great fear add a a lot of other issues going on like global warming and are these vaccines safe and and what's going on globally and so people have a lot of fear and they the world the the way that especially i'm finding a lot of older people are affected by conspiracy theories and it's because of this world changes. They, It isn't the world that their parents taught them, the values that their parents taught them, the community, their family being close and staying, living close by and having lots of communication. It's changed. And so they are looking for easy answers to explain what went wrong. And so they go on Facebook or wherever they go, somebody that they trust says something about who to blame. And Having someone to blame, having a black and white world, us versus them, here's the problem. Here's the enemy. You're handed an enemy. You're handed self-righteousness. You're handed a community. And suddenly you feel safer. You feel like, okay, this is my new milieu. This is my new community. This is how I see the world. Now I understand who the enemy is. And now instead of feeling scared and like you don't know what's going on, now you feel like I know exactly what's going on it's those damn Democrats or whatever. And so now it's, it feels good to know who to blame. It feels good to feel self-righteous and to feel like you have easy answers. And if you leave that milieu, then you go back to being frightened. So you dig in deeper and deeper and deeper. And as people confront you with facts and things, that's easily just falls off because Inside your milieu, inside your environment, there's plenty of places where you can go to find validation for your belief system. And so depending on how much you need that to be true, to feel better in your life, and depending on how deeply you are embedded in these conspiracy theories, in this new group of friends you have, it will be how much you're willing to do something like that go to the Capitol and march on the Capitol thinking that the election has been stolen or to like this young man who just shot all these people to write 14 on the barrel of their gun and start shooting black people. You know, it's it, it evolves into uh, this is worth dying for. This is worth killing for because this is the most important thing ever. So that's how it works.
0: That No, that's interesting. It's very consistent with, um, you know, I, I study terrorism and causes of terrorism, and recently over the years I've gotten deep in the, uh, I'm not a psychologist, uh, but I've really gotten deep in terms of uh, the study and theories of causes of conspiracy theories and what causes beliefs. And um, I've actually, you know, one of the things I work on is changes in tradition. Changes in society can be an enormous catalyst for someone to embrace extremism, somebody to embrace terrorism uh, as well. Uh, so what you're saying is very consistent with what we understand, at least in the world of, of terrorism literature. Uh, that's pretty interesting. I, I would be, because this is totally new for me and outside my field of expertise, I would be really interested to kind of, if you can, a more of a detailed explanation or description of How do you actually work with somebody? If somebody, a family member or an individual were to come to Antidote, how does that, what does that look like in detail? Um, That process, um, you know, those nuanced details of how do you actually shift somebody's worldview?
2: Well, the most important thing is you have to meet them at where they are, kind of. And you have to understand what's underneath it. Why was this so compelling to them? Why do they need this to be true? What was going on in their life that made this so com- so interesting? Because if you can't get there and help them understand that they've been lied to there, then you're just arguing about things that they can easily just push away. So what ultimately works is helping them understand that they've been taken advantage of and that what psychological manipulation is and how it works. How how they their identity and their autonomy has been stolen from them and replaced with something that feels really good. But it, it's it's the trade off was was their autonomy, and so to do that they have to trust you because that's a really deep and sacred place. That's this conversation about their identity and who they really are and their the core of who they are. And so the first step is to create safety and get them to agree to have this very difficult conversation about is there a possibility that you have been taken advantage of? And so family members are often a good place to start, and that's always who comes to us because it's not the person who is deeply embedded in a conspiracy theory or in terrorism or in a cult that comes and says, deprogram me. Of course not that maybe if someone's questioning it and they're already, they've got one foot out the door and they're really scared, maybe they'll come asking for help. But that's rare. Usually you have to have an agreement with them to talk with you about this. And and they have to know that you're going to be diving deep into the possibility that they've been lied to. And they will come thinking, I mean, I agreed to talk to the person who talked to me because I thought, there's no way that's true, and so, sure, I'll talk to you about it, but the person who talked to me was kind and patient and really sincere about wanting to explore that possibility with me, and I could see that. It wasn't an argument. It wasn't a debate. It was really an authentic concern about my well-being, and so... That's the only thing that works, is somebody who really understands psychological manipulation, helping them understand that that's what's happened to them. It's the only way out that I know. But debating certainly won't do it.
0: I And I understand, you know, working with um, psychologists uh, that work with the conspiracy theories. And, you know, there's, you know, some discussion about whether debating and and counter evidence works, but most say no, Um, that's, it's not a very effective tool. Uh, It's more uh, approaches that are based on compassion, based on empathy. Uh, And to that point, talking about misinformation and disinformation today as being problematic, uh, the University of Oxford uh, and UK's uh, Ministry of Health actually created a simulation to help people understand that, you know, misinformation, disinformation is a concern both, you know, to the left and the right or any sort of political spectrum or ideology. This is a concern to everybody. And they created this amazing simulation. I've shared it with my students and that you assume this social media avatar. And your goal in this simulation is to intentionally spread Disinformation and misinformation, and how that's actually done. How do you actually manipulate people, and you actually rack up points and scores? But there's no um, debate about, you know, what's true, what's not true. It's an understanding of how this. Is spread on in this case social media, and it was a recognition that no deb- counterfactual, you know, debate is not going to be effective, um, and um, and I thought it was brilliant because it doesn't matter where you lie on the political spectrum; it's a shared concern that we all have, which I think is great in terms of arriving or starting with that that empathy and that compassion for one another, which I think we we all need these days.
2: Yeah, it's. Um- Another thing that you mentioned there that I find intriguing and important is that psychological manipulation is self-perpetuating. And what I mean by that is that once you have this like euphoric kind of almost like a rebirth experience and you've found the truth, now you understand what's going on in the world, you know, that there the, you know there's this underground baby Thing, whatever it is, and that they're just evil and wrong, and now you're with the good people. Once you have this experience, you want to share it. You want to pull people into it. So then, now you're the one trying to figure out how to spread it. You, you're doing it because you believe so much. So now you're the one making these videos. You're the one posting on Facebook. You're trying to get your family involved. So that's why it grows so quickly. It's 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 so. It's like a fire. It just grows so, it spreads so quickly because of that.
0: Now, let me ask, I mean, does it work? I mean, can we move people away from being manipulated? Um, is there a success rate? I mean, do we have data points? I mean, what, what is your sense um, about helping people?
2: I think the only answer is a public health approach. And by that, I mean, it, think about tobacco. It's hard to find someone now that doesn't understand that tobacco causes cancer, smoking cigarettes causes cancer. They continue to smoke, but now you can't smoke in public places. You you know, the cigarette cartons have on the side, this causes cancer, you know? And so it's that same kind of approach. When we get to that tipping point in society where more people than not understand that how psychological manipulation works more people do not understand that being part of being human is that there will be people that because they want influence power or money will try to take advantage of you especially when you're struggling or you're in pain or when you know that, that they will try to get you to help their help them get more of what they're addicted to and so once we, so we have to do Public education, we have to do policy driven stuff, and we have to do direct services. those three main pillars of a public health approach. This is not need, this is not a tomorrow thing. You can't keep molewhacking. It's of your children, my grandchildren, these there could be a world in which this ex, in which this trickery doesn't have such power in the future. But it won't happen unless we take unless we look at it as the public health health problem that it is.
0: That analogy of smoking has really triggered something in my head just now. And the parallels to today... I, I, I actually really, my mind is thinking about that right now, because if you even think 50 years ago, there's the counter narrative, right? There's commercial propaganda, if you will, that smoking is good, right? The counter narrative, the election was stolen, right? Yeah. Uh, but science and evidence kept at it. And then, you know, they, they, you use the reference of the, the labels we have on cigarettes. I, I think the analogy of, you know, labeling on social media, this is not good. This is is false information. that. I'm really kind of blown away right now. Yeah. And
2: also like building guardrails around social media. That's a policy that's under that policy column, research and policy, which is your area of expertise. You, you know, you can get the data to show that the, the algorithms are pushing this information toward people and it increases their, their, their falling down these rabbit holes and, and becoming dangerous. And so, right now there's no transparency with with facebook and google and all these search engines that push information at you through algorithms that needs to be that's a policy kind of thing that can be changed with a public you know public awareness and with white papers and such and and then massive education and people need to be educated from you know children up about what is psychological manipulation? On your hardest days, that's when people will try to take advantage of you. Here's what, how they'll try to do it. And and then also just add social media influencers talking about this, what you're doing. All of these things help, help the public discourse, help get us to that point where it's now cult, part of the culture to understand how this works and avoid it. No one wants to play the fool. No one wants to be the ex-cult member or the one who fell down a rabbit hole and believed all this crazy stuff that, you know, so people will avoid it if they understand.
0: Yeah. I I think you answered this question already, but is there, isn't a, a general difference between people who manipulate in terms of a religious cult or a hate group or terrorist organization or conspiracy theory, correct? I mean, the approach is, is going to be the same with across the board.
2: It's yeah. The doctrine is different. The words are different, but the elements are all the same. And so there's always a mystique, for instance, about the truth, whether it's religious, whether people are having these religious conversions or these. It's a similar kind of conversion into realizing who the evil force is in the world or, you know, that we are the we are going to save the world. We'll be on top now because the the new king will will be in charge, there's all these cliches, thought-terminating cliches in all of them, like, um, you know, trust the, what is it, the QAnon says, trust the process, or something like that, there's these, and they repeat, they're easy to repeat, you don't have to have a lot of intellectual reckoning, you don't have to grapple with things, you just repeat that, when when things come up that seem like, wow, they're making a good point here, this is kind of crazy, Trust the plan. Somebody knows more than you. They're only doing this because there's a bigger plan at stake. Yeah, he may be saying things that sound crazy, but trust the plan. There's a bigger thing at cause here. And it's just like that in the cult I was in. Trust God. Trust the hierarchy. So what if the person that is telling me what to do seems corrupt and wrong and not even using the truth that we believe in? Trust the hierarchy. God works through hierarchy. Those kind of things are are, the tr- are true within any organization or environment where thought reform is taking place.
0: What do you think the public needs to know? What do you think uh, needs to be dispelled in, in wider society or, or some piece of information about the important work that you, you do? What would you like listeners to know?
2: It, it would have to do with the fact that part of the human condition is vulnerability to being taken advantage of on a psychological level and that we can all become extremists uh, on days that we're struggling to make sense of our world. And it it can feel really good to feel like you've found the truth and that it's so important to understand what someone's agenda is. Are they going to be gaining power, influence, or money by you getting – falling into extremism or becoming radicalized? Are you becoming really dedicated to this thing where you would give your life to? Have you examined whether or not these tactics are in place? People need to examine whether or not they're being taken advantage of. And I guess, and that's a complicated thing, but it is understandable. It just takes a little bit of work to help people understand that.
0: What, can listeners do to help antidote what how can antidote and the work the important work that you do best be supported
2: our main issue right now is scale and how to scale this organization to rise to the challenge of a public health approach and so we need people to understand what that means we need funding um any funding helps of course we we need to get some major funding um to build these programs out but on a smaller level if you know someone or you want to understand this you can educate yourself and if we can help you with that so that you can be a a voice of influence or that you can even have more effective conversations with people who you are frustrated because you can't talk to them anymore. So the first thing you can do is educate yourself. And we just need to get more and more people to understand what the problem is and what the solution is. And I think the more people that understand what the problem is and what the solution is, will just start building this thing together. We, it, takes, it takes all of us to work together to have a public health solution to this problem. And so anything anyone can do um, is, is helpful.
0: Well, we'll uh, be sure to put some links in the, the show notes for uh, the antidote for our listeners and and anybody else that uh, wants to become involved or financially uh, support your uh, organization, and the important work that you do. Um, Diane, thank you so much for your time. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, and best of luck with everything you do uh, and the important work that you're doing right now uh, uh, for uh, helping others around the country.
2: Thanks so much, Jeff, And thanks for doing this.
1: Now, time for the debrief with Jeff and Matt.
0: So, I think that one of the important things that came out of this interview, or why I think this interview is so important, is when we think about QAnon, when we think about extremism uh, today, um, we always talk about trends in extremism or the rise of QAnon and conspiratorial beliefs, a lot of it stemming from social media. But I don't think what gets sufficient attention is how do we actually bring people back from the fold, from the, the the abyss, if you will. You know, when we we have all these new adherents over the past several years that have subscribed to conspiratorial beliefs in QAnon, for example, um, We I think news organizations and scholars tend to highlight it but without talking about the reverse is how do we actually help these individuals? How do we help, as she had pointed out, um, uh, friends and family members um, move away from religious cults and conspiratorial beliefs. So I think the role that she serves is extremely important.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I guess my thought is that in her case, she's picking right. One or two people along the way with families that are are willing to go along, that that support what she's trying to do. My question is, is it possible to spread this out to a a mass movement, right? How do you deprogram 30 million people, in a sense, um, and and, and therefore sort of what happens, right? And and, and I think there's there's interesting research work to be done here about if I'm in a cult, what's the likelihood that my family is, if not in a cult, heading in that direction, right? Believing in in QAnon or whatever it is that underlying ideology is. And so so getting them to help me uh, deprogram by putting me in some sort of deprogram is highly unlikely because I might be an extreme to them, but I'm not nearly as much as extreme to them as I am to the general population, right? And so if my family isn't helping me, then I'm not going to get deprogrammed. Then what happens? They'll just grow out of it over time, uh, especially if my family isn't doing that.
0: Yeah. And I think that kind of goes, you know, that's a good point is, you know, and I think why this episode is so important is that we have to get this this message of antidote um, out um, that people are more aware of the, the services that they provide. Um, but I think it's, you know, the wider public. I think that's also what they're trying to do with their um, policy analysis and advocacy and white papers is is raising broader awareness of the um, of conspiratorial uh, and cult like beliefs um, and that there are actually approaches um, to helping people. Uh, move back away from uh, those beliefs. Uh, So I think getting the message out uh, about antidote is extremely important. Um, I would encourage all our listeners as well um, if you're interested in supporting Antidote or you have a, a loved one or a friend or family member who might be uh, suffering um, from, you know, conspiratorial beliefs or uh, is a member of some sort of uh, extreme cult uh, to reach out to Antidote, we'll have uh, a link to their information in the show notes. Uh, I want to thank uh, Diane for uh, coming on to this episode of In Politic and all the important work that she does uh, with Antidote. Uh, and of course, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of politic uh, Please be sure to like and subscribe for future episodes and please be sure to give us a As well. It really helps us out. Thank you very much, everybody. And until next time, thank you for listening.